When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think the message of the story, if you like, is is just about looking after the planet and working in harmony with it instead of against it and not taking it for granted. So looking for the magic and protecting it. I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. Today's guest is Emma Pearl, the author of Saving the Sun, a stunning picture book follow-up to Mending the Moon. This heartwarming tale shows that no obstacle is too big when you believe in yourself and work towards a common goal. Saving the Sun will definitely inspire readers never to abandon their dreams and always approach challenges positively. Emma was excited to continue Luna and Papa's adventures from Mending the Moon and thought it only logical the pair would save the sun next. Emma has traveled to over 50 different countries, including many beautiful tropical islands like the one in this story. Her love of storytelling began at a young age, spurred on by her relationship with her great uncle, renowned children's author Roald Dahl. She now lives in New Zealand with her family and their one-eyed cat, Penelope. Before I share our conversation, here's the synopsis for Saving the Sun. After an especially sweltering day, the ocean sparkles and twinkles so invitingly that instead of slipping beneath the horizon, the sun plunges into the ocean itself. When the sun sinks and loses its fire, Luna and Papa's yearly vacation on Summer Island suddenly goes dark. Luna knows the sun needs their help. The sky looks all wrong and it's neither day nor night. But it's a big job to do all on their own. To bring back daylight, they must think of creative solutions, seeking help from the local dolphins, monkeys, birds, and more. With the power of teamwork and imagination, 
Can they find a way to return the sun to its rightful place and set it ablaze once more? This imaginative tale will enchant readers as Luna, Papa, and their new friends of the sea, beach, and air rise to the challenge of fixing the sky once more and literally save the day. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the Growing Readers Podcast. Hi, Bianca. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure because Saving the Sun is such a beautiful book. But before we dive into it, I would love for listeners to know where you are calling in from today. Oh, so I live in New Zealand. Um, so it's uh, tomorrow here. <laughs> um, we're ahead of everywhere else in the world. And it's also supposedly moving towards summer rather than winter so i love it so i have snow in my backyard and i'm assuming you do not <laughs> no it's not really very sunny though either so. well let's dive in now with this question i want to start by knowing what drives you and guides you in creating books for kids wow okay well obviously i'm a, a huge book lover and i love stories and reading and writing everything to do with books but I believe that books for children are the most important books of all because um, that's when you inspire that, that love of stories and books and um, when you can really fire up a child's imagination with a book, it's something really special. Um, and it, I believe it will help them, you know, give them a lifelong appreciation and skills and empathy and goodness knows what that, that they won't be able to get from um, anything else really. So I, I think children's books are fundamental <laughs> in um, building, you know, fundamental building blocks for them, for their future lives and for I, the world. I have to ask this, have you always loved to read and write? And if so, was there a pivotal moment where you identified as being a reader? I have always loved reading. I was an avid bookworm as a kid. Um, and I think I can't remember a time when I didn't read. Um, I, I was reading long before I went to school. So I, and I think, I think I read differently as a writer now because I, I, I've, you know, I've read books all my life, but when I started to, I've always also always written stories all my life, but, um, about seven or eight years ago, I started to buckle down and think, you know, I want to learn how to do this properly. And at that point, I I started to read differently to how I'd read before. Um, it was always just for pleasure before, but then you, reading as a writer, you read to learn, you know, to learn the craft and to see what works and what doesn't. And, and I think there was a, a pivotal moment because I knew I wanted to read write for children but I struggled a bit with the knowing that children's books were somehow less valued in the in the wider literary world than adult books. But I found this one book that really sort of put that idea to rest, and that was um, the girl, the girl of Ink and Stars by Kieran Millwood Hargrave, which I read in uh, twenty sixteen or something, twenty seventeen when it just came out, and it's so beautifully written. It's such a a wonderful piece of literature but so full of magic and story and it's just 
a brilliant book. And that was for me a turning point because it showed me that you can write for children, but you can still write an amazing book. And yeah, so that switched me on to middle grade and young adult books. I actually bought a couple of young adult books that I devoured. And it wasn't until some time later I realized they were young adult books. And then I thought, oh gosh, I, I didn't know I was reading books for teenagers. You know, I'm I'm grown adult. What am I doing? But then, you know, it's it's um there's so many amazing books for young children of all ages now. It's it's really impossible to keep up with how many are being produced because there's just such a wealth of amazing, amazing writing and writers yeah. out there. Since we're talking about books that have inspired you. So I have to share that a book that hooked me as a kid was Roald Dahl's Revolting Rhymes, but then of oh. course the the twits. And so it blew my mind to discover that, and I have to um, reference a Roald, Roald Dahl saying here, that you are the human being um, that, <laughs> Roald, that Roald Dahl dedicated the twits to. So um, do you want to elaborate on your connection to Roald Dahl and any yeah, influence sure. that he may have had on your desire to become a writer? Yeah, he was my great uncle. Um, so he was my mum's uncle, my grandmother's sister. Uh, my grandmother was his sister, rather. And um, he lived down the road from us when I was growing up. So we saw a lot of him. He was like the, the focal point of the family, the sort of the one that held everyone together. So it was a big extended family, but but everyone gravitated towards Gypsy House. And so, yeah, he he was absolutely a big influence in my childhood in general, not just my love of books. He kind of taught me how to swim by bribing me with a big box of chocolates to the width of his swimming pool. And he was, yeah, he was just um, a huge presence, a big character, you know. He was like a cross between Willy Wonka and the BFG <laughs> to me as a little kid, you know, because he was very, very tall <laughs> and he was full of mischief, but he also had a big heart. So he was, you know, he was an amazing person to have in my life. And yeah, when I was, se- I think I was seven or eight, I can't remember which, um, he dedicated the twits to me, which was just phenomenally exciting. Um, and I'm so I feel so lucky because it's it's one of those books that's still in print all these years later. So I can still go into a bookshop and open it up and see my name in the front, which I do quite often. Um, and it's yeah, it's just very exciting. That's so when special. I was seven years old, it was it was exceptionally exciting. <laughs> At Evernorth Health Services. We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When you do sit down to write, what does a typical writing day tend to look like for you? Um, I try to get all my admin boring stuff out of the way first. So sort of clear my desk, clear my mind. Um, and that sometimes takes 
a whole morning or you know I don't it's there's it depends but there's not often a lot of writing time left at the end of that um but I find that I I can't focus on on the writing if there's other things that I need to get out of the way you know so I have to do all the the dull stuff um and then I can sit down and write I mean because I write from picture books to young adult it there's a Oh, always a wide range of things that I'm working on. So I, if I'm stuck in one, I can move on to something that's not only a different story, but it's a completely different age range. Um, so it's a very different skill set almost. Uh, but, uh, you know, in some ways that's a little bit, I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> so, but in some ways it's really good to just be able to shift to what you've, what you feel like doing at a particular time so yeah I mean every day is different because there's other stuff that has to get done as well obviously but I try to write whenever I can and it usually ends up being I don't know I spend I I don't know honestly how many hours a day doing it but as many as I can (laughs) there's never enough I'm a, I'm one of those writers that I mean, like you said, life is busy and there's always so many other things to do. So I don't write every day. But if I, my ideas are coming and they they won't leave me alone, then I know that I have to um, sit down and write. But the, I I don't know about you, but I find my ideas come when I actually I literally don't have any time to sit down and write. Like, why are they coming now? It's always the way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. in the middle of the night, especially. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's one thing that you do every day that you think would be the most surprising or maybe the most relatable to listeners? I play Wordle. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I find it it's really helps me to sort of focus my mind. And then I feel like, you know, I've done something silly for myself and then I can focus on proper stuff. <laughs> It's just a little ritual, I suppose. Love it. Have you done Wordle today already? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I got it in three. How about you? <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. I think I got it in four today. Yeah. But I might have tomorrow's one because I'm in New Zealand. So yeah, I might I wonder, be well ahead of you. <laughs> I wonder about that too. So we, we won't talk about actual words. <laughs> All right. Well, Saving the Sun is the follow-up picture book to Mending the Moon. So will you share a bit about Mending the Moon and then how it led you to write Saving the Sun? Sure. Okay. So Mending the Moon is the story of Luna and her grandfather, Papa, and they see the moon fall out of the sky one night and they put it back together again and get it back in the sky with the help of the animals on the mountain. And Saving the Sun is the same characters. It's a different setting. They're on a on holiday on a tropical island and they see the sun fall out of the sky into the ocean and they have to get it back up in the sky and set it alight again. So they're, you know, very similar structures um, as stories. They're both kind of got a folktale-y sort of element because the moon story becomes a, a like an origin story for the markings on the moon and the sun story becomes an origin story for sunsets. Yeah, they're kind of both about nature and magic and working together and harmony and looking after the planet and all those lovely things. I actually wrote them the first drafts of both those stories and two other stories involving 
Luna and Popper all at the same time quite a few years ago now. Um, yeah, I think I wrote the four stories in a week. Wow. Um, and then worked on them a lot. They, they were very different to what they, they were, first of all. But then I was lucky enough to get a like on PB Pitch on Twitter um, from Kayla Tostepin at um, Page Street Kids with the moon story. So that one went on to get a book deal, which was very exciting. And then a few months later, we had got the sun story accepted as well. So that that was very exciting. I love it. I, I know that's it's you know obviously the folk tale, the myth on on sunsets and and whatnot. But I love the intergenerational aspect of it between Luna and Papa. So were they characters inspired by other family members? Are they completely fictional? Like what? Why did you choose Papa and Luna? They are completely fictional, but there's a little bit of me in Luna, um, and there's a little bit of my dad in Papa, I think, because my dad was quite old. He was nearly 60 when I was born, I think. So, he, you know, he was more like a grandfather in many ways, but I had a very special relationship with him. And I think that that relationship is reflected in the, the Luna and Papa relationship. So yeah, completely fictional, but also drawing on real life, which is, I suppose, what all, all stories are about. <laughs> And then obviously you must have a deep love for nature and the environment. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think like many people, I feel quite overwhelmed by all the disasters and the, the doom and gloom about the environment and the planet and all the terrible things that we're doing to it. And I suppose these stories are my way of trying to do something about it or trying to process all that trauma, I suppose, you know, and turn it into something positive. So yeah, um, nature is a, just such an endless source of wonder and and magic. And I wish that we would look after it better. <laughs> Absolutely. What, do you want to share like a highlight for, from Saving the Sun? You could be, you could read a bit if, if you would honor us with that. Sure. Yeah. So here it is. It's a beautiful cover. Um, Sarah Ugolotti's illustrations are just stunning. I love them so much. They're incredible. So I'm, uh, I'm going to show you this page, which is it's probably a bit of a spoiler, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the penultimate spread. So they've just fixed all the problems and got the sun back up in the sky again. And I'll just read the page for you. The sun burned brightly, a great ball of fire once again. Daylight had returned. Everything was as it should be. From that day forward, the sun would never go swimming again. And in gratitude for the splendor restored, it painted beautiful colors across the sky every evening. Sarah Ugolotti's artwork is just so stunning. It's like, it's luminous. It's it's perfect for just adding that glow, even when the sun in other spreads is not up in the sky. Like she just has this glow. I think the animals are all really adorable. So that's really inviting yeah. for the kids. And then yeah. the other thing I really love about her artwork is 
the texture of her digital brush strokes. Like there's so much texture through the sky as the colors change and the, and the the tree trunks have just different patterns in them that just brings this depth to the to the artwork. I just I think it was such a magical pairing of her art with your words. Did you get any say in selecting the illustrator like how did that work out for yeah, you yeah I, I did actually I was quite surprised to be honest but um the publisher sort of gathered together a, a short list or a long list I guess of, of possible illustrators and sent uh, all their stuff through to me and I don't know if my my vote was the casting vote but I that I certainly had a say and um yeah I'm just thrilled with how they've turned out she's just amazing um, and the moon book is the same. It's, you know, the sun book is very warm and glowing and hot. And the moon book is kind of nighttime magic luminescence. Um, it almost glows in the dark, you know, so it's, they, yeah, they're both just wonderful. So happy with the illustrations. When you first got your physical copy of Mending the Moon, what went through your mind? Do you remember when you saw the artwork in, in your hands? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'd seen the artwork developing, uh, the sketches and then the final art on the screen, but it's it's a very different thing holding the physical book in your hand. It's, you know, it's a, it's amazing. It's just, yeah, hard to explain really. It's someone else has interpreted the world that you've created and brought it to life, but so much better than you could ever imagine yourself. It's just, it's phenomenal. Uh, well, obviously, the illustrators have to have the great story that you wrote. And then uh, that's what I just love about picture books, though, mm. that the way that that artwork just elevates the words and, and brings it to life. And I'm sure there's authors that have written written stories and didn't get a say in the illustrator and maybe wished for something different. But I've never spoken to anybody that had that experience so far. <laughs> but oh, I just... No, I, I, yeah, it's it's amazing. I just, it's just a form of magic to me, the, the sort of marriage between words and pictures. It's just wonderful. Yeah. And I think that translates to if you think about the majority of people who are reading picture books are typically a caregiver or an educator to a classroom. But I, I tend to think of a cozy picture book setting with a caregiver, a parent, a grandparent sitting next to their little one, possibly on their lap, snuggled under a blanket. And just the the warmth of saving the sun to me, I just it's so ideal for for that particular scenario of just snuggling up with a loved one with a cozy blanket or, you know, it's summer where it's summer where you are. So maybe they go on a picnic blanket out in the <laughs> out in the sun. But yeah. it's it's such a wonderful, wonderful read. So what impact do you hope that saving the sun has on readers? Well, I would love it if it could be the book that would ignite a love of reading in anyone. And that, not that I, I would ever know if that happened or not, but you know that that would be wonderful. Beautiful. But is there anything else that you think that we as listeners should know about you as a person, you as a writer or anything that uh, about saving the sun that you really think we need to touch on today? Um, it's really hard as a, a non um, bestseller <laughs> to, to get much traction in terms of sales and exposure and just getting the word out there about your books and it's hard from being in New Zealand because I can't do in-person 
promotion, like I would be able to if I lived in the States or even in the UK. Yeah, just if you, it, spread the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would be wonderful to think that the book could get into libraries, um, into the hands of, of little people and grandparents. I think it's a, it's a book that grandparents will particularly enjoy sharing with their grandchildren. Well, if listeners were to just take one thing from what we talked about today, what would you want that one thing to be? To find the book that that lights that fire in a child. You know, it, there's a lot of children don't enjoy reading. And I believe it's it's mainly because they haven't found that book yet that, that speaks to them. And there is a book for every child out there that will do that for them. But you, you have to just look for it. Um, search for it and it will it will give the child so much if you can open that door for them absolutely I think like one of the easiest things to do is to just go and get a library card for your kid like that that physical moment where they get to sign up for themselves and they get their own library card at our local library uh, kids can check up out up to 50 books at a time and I think a lot of people don't realize that you could walk in and walk out with 10 books and you could do that every single day so uh, like imagine with a preschooler if you just go into the library as an uh, you know even just a weekly or a monthly activity and just load up with so many books because within that big pile of books there's got to be something that resonates absolutely yeah libraries are and magical places and librarians too if you need, if you need advice on what to, what to get out they they are, are always a, have a wealth of knowledge about children's books yeah. so yeah i i'm i have fond memories of the library as a child and i took my own children to the library as often as possible and yeah it's a magical place and it's free which is the best thing of all Exactly. And I think a lot of people actually don't know this, at least in the U.S., you can if if there's a picture book you wanted to say somebody listening today is like, oh, I'm definitely going to go read Saving the Sun by Emma Pell. And, you know, they can either go to the bookstore or they can go to the library. And if you got to the library and it's not in the catalog, a lot of people don't know that most libraries on their website have a spot where you can go in and you can type in a request for the librarian to add it to the collection. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I, I've definitely done that a few times now um, where I've been like, oh, I really, you know, I wish they had this book in the library. I love it. I think other kids would love it. And so I'll like go in and, and add it, add it in there. So anyway. I do that all the time. That's one of my favorite things to do. I think my local library is fed up with me. So I do it all the time. <laughs> well, I'll definitely be going to check and see if my library has Saving the Sun in it. And if they don't, oh, I'm either going to go donate a copy to them or I'm going to add it into their little request uh, oh, slot. <laughs> well, Emma, Saving the Sun is truly, it's just so beautiful. It's so magical. Your your words and the artwork just came together in such, a, like the synergy is is perfection. And and as we said, it's it's great for shared reading, particularly with loved ones. I love the intergenerational aspect of it. I I love the message to readers to look for the magic in nature and to take care of the planet, as you said. And so I want to thank you for writing the story and for taking the time to come on the show today and share it with us. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes. You'll find links to order copies of Emma Pearl's Mending the Moon and Saving the Sun. 
For more information about Emma Pearl and her books, visit emmapearlauthor.com. And remember, if you love listening to the Growing Readers podcast, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To find more books, just like Saving the Sun by Emma Pearl, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.